It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. The Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. Jeff Johnson coming to you live from Oakhaven along the Gulf Coast here in the U.S. of A. In the Australia, we've got Nicole Halton from Inspired EC on what we've decided is mid-central eastern coastal Australia, a little bit north of Sydney, a long ways south of Brisbane, um, right there in the heart we'll we'll call it the heartland of eastern australia uh how you doing nicole i'm great i'm fantastic how are you i'm great i i i promised the last time we were together when we ended the episode that i wouldn't start this the episode with a gross story so i've got a i've got a story of of beauty and wonder um do you have any monarch butterflies in australia yes they're the black and orange ones yeah and yeah. so I, where, where do yours migrate to? Or do they just hang out all the time? I, I don't know, actually, if they do. I know the vast majority of our butterflies are like tropical based. So they tend to spend uh-huh. more time like in Queensland and kind of further up than yeah. us. But we do have, I don't know, if they actually migrate. That's a really interesting question. I will need to do some research. So our monarchs that live up in all the places that get cold head to one little area of of Mexico for the winter, and this is this is a oh. multi thousand mile uh, journey for for them, which is a bunch of kilometers. Um, a long way. But we are we are on the migra- migration route now, and it's migration time. And so on our on our bike ride today, I saw probably 150 monarch butterflies along and look maybe i saw a couple of them twice i don't know i mean <laughs> it's hard to tell <laughs> look i mean they all look i, I mean <laughs> i'm sure they can tell each other apart but to me they they really kind of look alike and they flutter around and it's it's really hard to keep track of them but uh that's a it, and look they weren't all in one place they were kind of all all over the place but that's that's more butterflies than i've seen in a morning ever and it was it was delightful and i didn't i i got hit in the face kind of by one of them but it kind of glanced off my helmet and kept flying and there were two i don't know what they were doing they were kind of canoodling in the air and it seemed kind of kind of inappropriate that's interesting to watch we actually watched that um <laughs> recently don't, don't get gross we said we we're gonna be, no it's not don't. gross but we watched we watched these two it's butterflies beautiful. in the bushes 
actually mating and it was like fascinating and we just couldn't really stop watching it because it was just incredible and then one went off and another one came and then they like they seemed to be doing battle over this other butterfly and I was like what's going on here it was a bit of a love triangle it was very interesting was this other butterfly a really really sexy butterfly I don't know. I don't know how you tell them apart. So I don't know which <laughs> ones look mean? sexy and which ones don't. Well, it doesn't matter what 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 parts they have as long. I mean, maybe have a really really. I have some really really sexy wings or something. Uh, I don't know where this is going. Uh, what are we? Yeah. <laughs> what are we? It wasn't. It wasn't as gross as some other things. But anyway, let's talk about uh, sensory systems. So we're gonna mm. we're gonna start a bit of a a, a little series here. Um about the the eight sensory systems and the the importance of paying some attention to them in in the early years i i did a session earlier tonight uh an, an online session and and i got talking about this you know a lot of the things in early learning centers that that get labeled as bad behavior or as inappropriate are really kids trying to figure out how to manage their bodies and their senses. And if you think about it, the, the early years are, are really very much about integrating these sensory systems and the sensory system is just basically a way of the body collecting information and, and wiring them up with the brain. And if we want kids to head off to school when they're five or six or seven or eight, and and be able to focus on the schooly stuff, they are going to be better able to do that if during their early years they have lots of opportunities to to wire the sensory systems in the brain together. Yes. Agreed. Done. Well, um, there's the episode. No. Well, <laughs> there I, we go. No, and I, it's so spot on what you say. And I find it so interesting that um, I don't know about in the US, but here in Australia, uh, at least when I did my qualifications and from my experience, you know, with training with educators now who have recently done qualifications, there is not a lot of emphasis put on sensory systems in the training that people do to become an educator working with children day in, day out. So, and look, don't get me started, there's a lot of things that that training doesn't cover, but I can recall no one ever talked about that when I did my training. It was never something that come up. There was mention of sensory play. And I think we get really bogged down in the idea of sensory play as, you know, let's get out the mud, let's, you know, have Play-Doh, let's, you know, make slime or what it, that sort of, you know, rice or whatever it is. Like we get, mm-hmm. we get that concept of sensory play but I don't know if anyone, or maybe not anyone, but I don't know if everyone really appreciates what that is for. What is the point of that play? And is that the only way for children to have their senses ignited and to you know make connections? And yeah, I think that sort of seems to be the route that everyone goes down with sensory stuff is that physical, tactile yeah. sort of you know, interactive kind of activities, whereas there's a whole bunch of other stuff and really simple stuff that children are doing and exploring and, um, you know, kind of working with on a day-to-day basis that we actually just don't understand well enough. And so we're not paying enough attention 
we see it as challenging behavior or we see it as like really random shit. Like why is this kid spinning around in circles or rolling down the Mm. hill or, you know, there's that kind of real disconnect between sensory play and understanding sensory processing and sensory integration. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if you, if you, if you build an early learning environment where all you focus on for the time the kids are with you from from infancy on up to the time they head off to kindergarten or first grade and all you focus on is sensory integration you're going to be doing amazing things for that child and yeah, so that's what we're gonna, that, that's what I want to dig into for the for the rest of this episode and then in the series then we'll go through and and each of these these eight sensory systems We'll we'll see if we can pull together a whole episode about that. And so uh, maybe I mean some people are thinking eight systems. Um, so let's we'll we'll spend a moment on those. And so there's there's the five senses that we generally think of. And what are those? There's vision and the sense of touch and the taste and smell. hearing and smell the the olfactory system and then beyond that so those are the five that we usually think of but there's there's three others at, at least and some people think they're will list more but more. these are the yeah. they're the primary ones uh beyond that there's vestibular system which really deals basically with the sense of balance and that's all everything most of that's happening in that in that inner ear and you mentioned you mentioned rolling and and spinning those are those are two two big vestibular activities and so that thing where the kid lays down on their belly on the on the swing and twists themselves up and unwinds that is a sensory activity um for because because that is absolutely building uh and and wiring up that vestibular sense and so and yet i've heard educators say that's not how we use the swing that's not what the swing is for and it's like wow it's so what the swing is for and 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 one of the big problems there is there are there are are occupational therapists that kids get sent to when when they when they don't develop those systems that and and sent into those programs uh cost more money and they take more time when really we could let let the kids have experiences like that when they're little and so we're active actively um we're we're letting them develop so they don't need these special physical therapies and and uh and invasive um therapies later on um and so the vestibular sense the system is a big one and so another one is the uh proprioceptive system and and now let's see what this is basically nicole if we get, let's see if it gets right this is basically the idea of a feeling 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 pressure on our muscles and and knowing where our body stops and the world begins yeah um, and some of that regulation of force too like yeah you know, it, it's like children can can it's like you can see some children pick up like an egg and just like gone crushed it others will hold it far more gently i always think about it with um, my eldest, my son, he's like a gentle, soft hugger. And mm-hmm. I'm like, when he does that, I'm like, ah, hug me properly. But he's just <laughs> so, he's gentle. And I'm like, 
is he lacking some proprioceptive stuff? Like does he yeah. needs some more work on that because he's really struggled with that. Whereas my youngest was all about the force and she will, even now she gave me a hug this morning before she got on the bus and nearly crushed my rib cage. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. End up with a collapsed lung. <laughs> yes. and, and, and so why does this matter? If, if you want a child to be able to pick up a pencil and start writing their name before they figured out how tightly to grip that pencil, um, you're going to have problems. Uh, yeah. if, if you, if you bring a, a baby, if you bring a kitten or a baby chick into the classroom for the kids to hold, and, and, and these are kids who, who don't know how to regulate that, that grip, you're, you're maybe going to end up with a broken baby kitten, which I mean, nobody wants, no one wants that. that. Nobody wants that. I mean, and if you do want that, you're, <laughs> You're in you're the wrong monster. place. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a monster if you want a broken baby kitten. Um, and so this is this is really important. And so kids need yeah. that opportunity for for things like uh, like heavy work, like we've talked about yeah. before. It's those activities that push or pull against the body or involve carrying. It's 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 how to it, you're basically learning how to use that muscular system. And then the 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 last of the of the eight is the interoceptive system, and it's basically stuff that's going on inside the body. It's it's being yeah. able to feel your your, your heartbeat or know when you're thirsty or, or when know hungry. when you need to use the bathroom or know when you're hungry um, yeah. or when you're tired and these kind of things. When you're getting it's, it's, angry and your body sends yeah. you those cues and you can feel like the heat on the back of your neck or something. It's like listening to those body cues, which we're often not taught to do and we shut them out. And it's like, actually, we need to listen to those. And it's important that children listen to those. We tell them, you know, oh, they say I'm hungry and it's like, oh, well, you're going to have to wait. It's not lunchtime. And it's like, that's hard. We're overriding a system that's telling us something. It's got that sensory input there. It's telling us you need to eat. You're hungry. So, so imagine how much more prepared for school a child would be if in their early years, they, they, they were around adults who paid attention to this stuff and mm. let them know, Hey, you know, you know how I, I I've noticed that your 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 neck starts turning red when you're getting angry, um and and uh, how's that feel? Yeah. Oh well, it feels it feels it feels kind of warm and and or or I I I could tell I can tell that your 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 eyes kind of squint up when when you're when you're getting mad and and just paying attention to those things, uh yeah. can help them change directions just a, just a, a little bit more control over those things makes kindergarten and first grade a little bit easier to navigate absolutely um, be, being able to be aware of 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 how your bowels and bladder uh feel when they need to release themselves is a is a great skill to have when you head off to head off to school and, and, and yet we, we, we gloss over these things as important as we rush to, to letters and numbers and sitting still too, too often. And so yeah. how do we, how do we get to where we can embrace these things more? Because, and, and, and so what's a program look like that, that embraces these sensory, sensory integration systems? Um, well, for me, it's, it's open-ended, you know, there's so much freedom and flexibility within what children are, are able to do. There's a whole bunch of loose parts. Loose parts lend themselves so beautifully to, you know, that sort of sensory integration. 
um, you know, it's it's an environment and a program that's, you know, rich in natural connections to the world and, you know, that sense of wonder and, you know, all of those sorts of things. It's not, a, you know, learning your ABCs. And it's just, it's not that. It's It's got to be so much more flexible and open. And um, for us, you know, our, so I've mentioned before, we have a Timbernook program. When we first started doing that, um, that come about as a result of um, hearing Angela Hanscom speak and just hearing the way she spoke about the importance that, you know, sensory integration has, you know, at a, at a young age in preventing, as you said before, some of those things that require intervention when the child's at school and, you know, Angela talks about it in her book, Balanced and Barefoot, you know, the the children who can't actually sit upright in a chair at school. And so they're then referred on to an occupational therapist and, you know, th that whole cycle kind of, you know, goes and we go and do all this intervention. And, you know, Angela noted that, you know, we do all this intervention, like one of the things was listening to, I think she mentioned it in the book, which I know I've definitely heard her speak about it, listening to bird sounds like on a recording. And she's like, and yet we can go outside and hear bird sounds. And she said so much of occupational therapy that happens for children once they're, you know, seen to have a problem with all, any of these kind of sensory processing things is indoors and in, you know, brightly coloured, overstimulating, needing all this different equipment and whatever. And it's like, actually, if we just get outside with some open-ended equipment and you learn to, you know, climb a tree and your hands are now, it's very difficult to talk about that on a podcast medium because I'm demonstrating, but your hands are moving in different ways because it's not the same as going up a ladder where each rung is the same distance apart, but instead you've actually got to move your body in different ways. And so your body's doing different things. If you can do all of that outdoors, why would you not? Like, why would you not do all that stuff outdoors and early on? And that's what we noticed with um, our Timbernook program. We spend so much time, well, obviously all our time is outdoors, but it's those big open-ended things. And we see a shift in children who come at the start of the school holidays, they leave at the end and we can already see a shift in the way they move their bodies and, you know, the way they focus and the, like all sorts of things. And I think, how hard is that? That's not hard to have a program that does that, that responds yeah. to those sensory needs. But first off, people need to understand the senses. And I think unless we understand it and we appreciate what it is, what it does and how you support it, then you can't possibly offer a program that is meeting all those needs because you just don't have the knowledge. And I think that's where a big gap is, is that lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so this environment, this, this sensory sensor integration environment looks ex exactly like a, a, a well-organized and thoughtful play environment because that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what it is. And I want to go back to the, uh, the climbing you mentioned a bit ago, because that's, that's, uh, that's that, I mean, it's other stuff, it's large body and stuff, but it's, it, there's mm -hmm. a lot of proprioceptive stuff going on there. And, 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 and just to, to clarify a little bit, when you're, when you're moving those even measured spaces, like you're, you're climbing a ladder or even climbing stairs, it, it kind of wires things up in one way, but when you're climbing rocks, for example, where you got to put yeah. your foot over here for a fitting and over here for footing, and it's the the distances and the spacing um, aren't aren't the same. Or when you're climbing, you know, climbing a ladder and climbing a tree, they're both climbing, 
but the, the climbing is, is is very different and 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 so we need that that bigger amount of variety or we benefit from having a bigger amount of variety which is why why climbing a a a static playground structure is is different than climbing a tree that changes over time and and you have to adjust for things like wind and and those kind of yeah. things in your climbing and and so it's a it's it's a much more it's a much richer experience climbing yes. climbing those other ways and so that, that's that right it's not to say that climbing a ladder is useless and you never want children to be able to do it like there's there's definitely still value in that but it's about seeking that richer experience yeah you know, what's the yeah. experience that offers more sensory input even the fact that it feels different on your hands you know mm -hmm. like the that natural connection you know to actually have a tree branch in your hand feels so much different than a metal rung of a ladder you know, like it's different. It's, it is, it's about that input and that connection. Um, and I think it is, it's, uh, that word is perfect. It's that richer experience. Yeah. And, and one other thing I want to touch on in, in, in this episode is that there are, there are windows for some of these sensory experiences and most of them are open for quite a while, but some of the visual stuff, I mean, if you we talked about breaking a kitty cat earlier, if you tape a, a kitten's eyes shut when, when they're, when they're, when they're tiny, their, their ocular system fails to develop. I mean, you could do this with humans, but you shouldn't, but researchers have done this with you kittens. You shouldn't do it with a cat either. And, yeah. You shouldn't do it with cats either, but, but it has been done. And if, if, if you tape the eyes, you know, close their eyes, sometimes they do it. I mean, I guess they stitch them. It's not just bad, but anyway, we we've done gruesome things to creatures to, to learn this, but you can, you can stop the, the development of their ocular system and they, they never learn to see. Um, mm. And, and so we've got to pay attention to the, to these windows and which is why if, if with the, the, the therapeutic things that the the occupational physical therapists do later on often it is because a kid didn't get the activity when when yeah. they should have when they were little and you got to find therapeutic ways to get it to them later um so that needs to be a concern but the other thing is those windows are are kind of wide and there's 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 variance in individuals and and i was reading something the other day that the visual system um just having the eyes work the way they need to work to read isn't fully developed in some kids until they're seven or eight or even a little bit older. And in some kids, it's like when they're, when they're three and a half or four. And so that yeah. wide window for some of the stuff does matter because if you're trying to push a kid to read who just visually that system, that developed. visual system hasn't developed yet, you're going to, you're going to be asking you're going to be creating nothing but frustration hmm. for the child, but, but also for yourself and that child's family. Yeah. And, it's unreasonable expectation. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to pull back a little bit and, and think about, well, is this child ready to read or not? Do they hmm. have, I, I mean, Angela Hanscom talks about this too. The, the whole, the ability to sit in a chair. Yes requires requires lots of skill because if if your if your body isn't developed um and that sensory system that sense of balance the vestibular system isn't isn't developed you put so much energy into trying to stay upright in the chair that you, you can't, can't do any of the other stuff the person that wants you to sit in the chair wants you to do after you sit in the chair 
Yeah, um, I often say that to people when we're doing training sessions and, you know, we're sort of talking about these concepts and I'm like, if I said to you now, go and sit cross-legged on the floor, stay cross-legged and upright and focused on me for the next half an hour, how many of you would find that easy? And like, no one would find that easy. You know, occasionally you'll get like someone who does yoga and meditation. They're like, I'm all over this. But 99% of people find that really difficult because even as adults, we often don't have the core strength required to do that. And yet we expect children to do that when they haven't had the opportunities to build up that core strength. You know, we actually haven't provided those opportunities. I actually noticed um, at my kids' school recently, they built this new playground that's got they've called it the adventure playground it's got a flying fox and it's got like lots of different physical things and I said to them one day I'm like I would really love it if you use that before school and they're like oh but you know it's harder to supervise before school because you know the driveway and whatever I'm like I get it but children would find it so much easier to come into the classroom and focus and do the things that you're expecting them to do if they've had the opportunity to move their body in that variety of ways before they actually go in and do that. They, they don't let them. They play, they play, but just not on that part of the playground. So they've still got Mm -hmm. other climbing equipment and whatever, but I'm like that piece, that whole section is, you know, very nature-based and, you know, just a bit more physical. Uh And I'm like, that's where I'd like to see them play before they go into the classroom in the morning. They're out there in recess and lunch and whatever. But, yeah, I just think that would be nice. And we've actually talked about it here at Timbernook, how nice it would be to be able to offer a program. I was talking about it with a um, colleague of ours who is an occupational therapist. And um, I said, wouldn't it be cool to have a program before school where children could come and do Timbernook before school and they'd get all that big heavy work and you know big body stuff and then go off to school and I'm like I'd be so fascinated to see what that result would be like what what impact would that have on their day Mm -hmm. their ability to focus and all of those sorts of things just one of those things that would be cool to test out I, I can't wait to hear what happens. I hope you I don't know if you will, school. but it would be cool. It, it would be cool, be cool if somebody yeah. did it. <laughs> As an aside, that occupational therapist actually did a series of online courses for us, um, which is on our website, that are about the eight sensory systems. And oh, cool. it's, it's really good um, just to kind of dig into those concepts a little bit so yeah you can find them on our website or just send me an email if anybody wants to check them out but um yeah it was good just to get that little bit of a practical um and she's worked with a lot of early childhood services too so she's sort of familiar with the lay of the land yeah it's inspiredec.com if you want to go look for that stuff hey listeners this seems to be about the good a good place to stop for this uh this episode i'm glad you've developed you've honed your auditory system enough to stick this show into your ear holes and (laughs) your physical system enough to push the play button because it'd be a be really shitty if we made this podcast and nobody listened but you know what people listened i still i don't know why but people listen and (laughs) i appreciate it and it's delightful thank you for that but i need you to do something more than listen i need you to send me your policies 
and procedures from your programs. I'd, I'd like to, you know, copies of your forms, anything you got digitized, all that stuff, the handbooks, that kind of stuff. I'm really fascinated by this now. Need need some samples. You can get a hold of me through the contact information on the show notes. I'd appreciate it. I'd say I'd send you like some home homemade cookies or something if you sent me this stuff, but Look, I wouldn't follow through. I wouldn't get that done. It takes a lot of time to make these podcasts. I don't have time to bake. Um, thanks for listening. Tip your weight staff. Back soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Done. You think anybody will send me anything? Probably not. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.